This episode of the Duck Gun Podcast proudly brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate, and a five-star crash test-rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, tossing it off a 200-foot cliff, and shooting it with a 12-gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration. You're hitting the road with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Protect your best friend and protect your investment. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Today's episode, Elliot and I discuss the Kansas Duck Opener, the successes they had, the letdowns they had. So without further ado, let's jump right into the podcast. But before that, a quick word from our partners. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. If you really want to get your group up front and in the action, check out our new HTR A-frame. Hunt anywhere. Concealed. It sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on. We've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide, with more designs coming. We have you covered from the sides and the top. Oh, and did I mention, our A-frame is only 10 pieces out of the box? Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we have partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, But they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at the shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, You can reach them at... 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com and did I mention if you're not in the area they also do shipping so that's great be sure to check them out guys we'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at white rock decoys be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks silhouettes and fully collapsible floater decoys We'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable, and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls, which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls. Be sure to check out Bailey's Game Calls for your next duck or goose call. Yep. What's going on? Well, we're having difficulties as always, right? Yep. Uh, it's going to be weird. No intro this week, too. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of want to tell everyone what's going on or? Sure. Yeah. We'll just start from the beginning. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me, Elliot Graybeard from Freelance Duck Hunting. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Kansas opener this week. How you doing, uh, Elliot? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing great, man. We had a fantastically fun weekend and season's on now for sure here in Kansas. Awesome. Awesome. I can't, uh, 
I can't tell you how jealous I am seeing all the, the, the photos and, you know, the crazy weather you guys have been having, but, you know, I won't, you know, I won't spoil too many details. I don't know a lot of it, but, uh, you know, uh, here in Indiana, we're still waiting for our, our, uh, duck season to come in. So well, it's, it's this weekend, right? This weekend. Yep. Yep. I'm definitely ready. <laughs> so yeah, that, it's here for you. I'm taking the weekend off. So you're going to be next weekend's going to be flipped. Awesome. Well, I kind of awesome for me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, t- I'm taking the weekend off by choice. Um, I've been pushing so hard and camping out so much and it's just the, the youth hunt around here this weekend. Weekend after that, my wife's going to a wedding in St. Louis. So um, I'm like, I'm just going to save all the boy hunting for the, when she's gone, we're going to go back out West, avoid the opener around here. Cause openers suck normally. And so with all the people. And so we're going to, I'm going to take the weekend off and spend family time and wife time. So you're going to be out doing it this week and I'm going to be watching. Sweet. Well, I guess, uh, I guess before we jump into ours, I'll just kind of give my little brief update. Um, so haven't been able to do any waterfowl, uh, hunting, obviously, cause we're not in season yet. Uh, didn't do any traveling, but you know, I've been hitting the deer stand here, or there been seeing some deer, but haven't really got any, any shots on anything. Um, you know, so, that, so that's fun. Helps keep the blues away until uh, season gets in. Um, but we do have a good good pond scouted out for opening day on Saturday. I'll be going with uh, HDR guys. So I'll be doing, you know, probably mostly filming, but, you know, still out there having a lot of fun water pond. So have those any of those um, ponds been in your videos in the past, or is this a new place? Yeah, no, it's uh, the same pond as Six Man Limit from last year. Okay. Cold, cold Front Thunder. We shot a six-man limit there last year. I thought that was a river on Cold Front Thunder. Nope. <laughs> huh. I could have swore that you were on a river there for some reason. We're on a sandbar. I don't know. It, it, I don't know if you actually call it a sandbar, but it was sandy. Um, but it's a pond that's like um, – it's right next to a cornfield and the woods. But okay. It, for whatever reason – uh, it's like a, a day pond. So all the birds come off the roost, they land on that pond and they go out to feed. Okay. And there's birds using it right now. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a lot of birds using it right now. Oh, great. Good deal. We'll say like hun- hundreds. Say <laughs> so you're using all the, uh, new purchased video equipment and everything. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see how that turns out. That's going to be cool. Yeah. I, I hope so. It'll be a, it'll be a new experience. You know, I've always done the the filming for YouTube for myself, self filming, but this is kind of different. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, do they have dogs? Does uh, Chief get to go on these HDR hunts? Um, well, that's one thing that actually we talked about today, and I decided I'm not going to take them just because I want to. I don't want to have distractions where you know I'm responsible for you know, too many things. And, it, you know, if, if chief's off, like chasing a duck that like floated off or something, cause I had that happen until season where one floated like a, yeah, like hundreds of yards and chief was just gone and he was gone and he was going after that bird. And then like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, <laughs> I need to get the shot of this over here and my dog's gone. So uh, maybe if he had more practice working with one of them, then, we could do it, but with with not having that much work with anybody besides me, it might be a 
I, I didn't. I just don't want to risk it. Maybe later on the season we will, but not this time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah as things get kicked off, that's probably really smart. Yeah, yeah. I hate to do it. It hurt to do it to say it. I'm like, you know what? I don't. I don't think we should take them just because. I, I can't be responsible for my dog and for I don't want to miss an important shot or something like that. So yeah, yeah, cool. Hey, let's make sure. Do you do you normally keep track of questions? Because Troy has a cool question I'd like to talk about at the end of um, the podcast. So I think you normally keep track of the questions on All the right. chat board, right? Um, <laughs> when when that happened in the past, that was my wife keeping track of them. So <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, I will Troy. We'll, we will remember your question. Those of you that are listening to us on uh, just the audio podcast. Um, Tuesdays at six central. If you want to ever come and interact with us live, it's either on duck gun Chronicles, YouTube channel or mine freelance duck hunting. Um, great place to come and chat with other hunters and, and ask questions. So Troy, I will try to remember that question and we'll hit the hunter etiquette etiquette question at the end. But I think that's a, I think that's an interesting question, um, to answer about hunter etiquette and who, who claimed claiming down birds within the group. <laughs> that is definitely a good question to go over yeah. um all right so i guess let's just jump into your hunt let's start start at the beginning um yeah just start start at the beginning okay. let's, let's hear about your hunt elliot well i've got a i mean man i got i could i could go on a there's so much that took place this weekend um i had friday off so it's the opener in the early zone, which is about three and a half hours um, away from where we live. So when we go back there, um, we always camp out. And actually, that's kind of this, those areas are my home stomping grounds. It's where I learned to duck hunt. It's where I started duck hunting. So it, it still feels like home. It's more close to where I grew up. And my uncle's got land out there and my parents take their fifth wheel and and me and whoever's with me, we, we camp in the public grounds around the area so we had three nights of of camping um now th this we've been dry and in drought for months and months and months and in the last month we've had I, so much rain ridiculous amount of rain so about four days before the opener um the entire area flooded flooded beyond what i had seen it for years and years and years so the previous weekend at the same place my boys went and did the youth hunt and we had everything scouted out. We knew where all the birds were, but when the entire area just completely flooded, it scattered the birds all over everywhere. And so um, we still had a general idea of where we could shoot ducks, but um, it being opening day, and we typically like to have five or six quality options on opening day, just because there's so many people there um, that we wanted to get in a ton of scouting. So on Friday morning, the day before, um, we woke up and it was raining again, some more. So we slept in just a little bit. We were out at the marshes about an hour after shooting time because the rain kind of settled. And so it was golden boy, um, which is what we call Aiden on, on my channel, my dad, who we call fumble mitts and myself. And so we scouted um, almost the entire day. And the first area that we scouted, we found a field that was a private section that was right up against public land. So we were actually scouting. We we're in our kayak scouting this public area. And we had a spot picked out that we really liked. We came around the corner and we saw flock after flock after flock of big, big ducks. Like I saw one flock of 200 pintail go down in this little, little tiny field, just mm -hmm. 
huge birds just dumping into the field, dumping into the field. And I knew that it was that this field was private. So um, I got out on X Maps, found the name, the homeowner or the landowner's name, um, contacted a friend in the area, actually uh, know the um, game enforcement officer out there. And he told me where the guy lived, but that he doesn't normally give us permission. So we went and knocked on the guy's door and he gave us one day exclusive permission to this little spot. So at this point, we're like, well, I mean, we've got private land. It's from everything we'd seen, this place was just the X and exclusive rights to it. No one else could go into it. So I mean, we thought, man, this is a done deal. We're going to shoot. We were talking about, okay, we're not shooting teal. We're just going to try to shoot pintail drakes and then widgeon drakes. I mean, we thought this was just <laughs> going to be a knockout, right? Um, so, but we weren't done scouting at that point because we wanted to try to then scout a spot for Sunday. So this, this area has a creek that winds all through the area. And off that creek, there's all little off pools and shoots. And, and we know the area well, but in a flood, you know, there was just going to be so much more um, in there. It took, takes about two hours to, to float this section. So Aiden and I just floated this section. And we found a little place that I had been looking at on Google Earth for about five years. And I knew that this place would hold water under the right circumstances, but I'd never even looked at it. And this place was so hidden, so hard to get to that I was almost certain that nobody was gonna be hunting it. So we get in there, we're flushing mallards, pintails, widgeon. I mean, so all of a sudden now we've got the X of all X's waiting for us. And we've got this, this spot that that was such a cool spot and it was so hidden we actually started debating where we were going to hunt and the, just the fact that we were even debating where we were going to hunt was just a mind blower um because of how awesome the first spot was but still it was going to be in proximity to other hunters and and so after lots of debate we decided okay let's let's go to the private field on saturday and get real greedy and just save the second spot for sunday because we have figured probably no one would hunt it so we were just going at the end of the state, we thought we had like the grand slam weekend, right? We were just gonna, we were just gonna hammer it. Um, so we went to bed, slept in a little later than normal because we had private land. We still got out pretty early, but we slept in um, longer than normal. The temperature was just fantastic. I think it was about, I don't, it might've got around 38, 39 that night. So weather was great. And um, to get to this private field, we still had to use our kayaks. So, we kayaked back in there um, through the public land, got into the private, and immediately we could tell that that um, there was a lot less water in this private field. Um, so the private field set right up against a creek. And it was flooded because the creek had come clear out of its banks, and that's what had flooded it. So we got all the way back in there, and we're like, all right, there's obviously not as much water in here as there was. It, overnight, it had lost a ton of water. So we're starting to get a little bit paranoid, starting to get freaked out. Um, but we really didn't have any other choice at this point. We were way back in and um, our secondary spot ha already had guys in it. Um, we had to, we had to roll past them. And so, okay, we thought, well, we'll just set it up and, and um, see what we can do. And actually I had my uh, white rock. I used my white rock um, mallard socks on this hunt which I've been dying to do. Um, I don't know. Most of you guys probably know that we're switching over everything as far as decoys to white rock. We've got the floaters. We've got the mallard socks. We've got goose silhouettes. 
goose socks. So I'm like, this is really shallow field. I, we can use our mallard socks in it. Um, so we got everything set up and immediately right off the bat, as the sun came up, there was a couple huge flocks that came and looked at us. It's like, they just came and looked at the field, saw that the water had died down and, or had descended and just took off. So for the first hour, it was just people all around us shooting ducks coming and looking at us and leaving. We had a couple teal um, that we shot during that hour, but I mean, it was just, and not only that, the water was continuing to drop. Um, so there was D after an hour, there were decoys that, that were floating in ankle deep water that were now not even in water at all mm. after like an hour. So, I mean, everything we was just, it was disappearing. It was disappearing. So uh, we were pretty disappointed and, and, to make matters worse, I got frustrated or fumbles and was all short-tempered with him and had to apologize. So after the first hour, things were going really, really poorly. Let's just say that. And But everyone around, I mean, a lot of guys around us, they were shooting a lot. And you could tell after an hour and a half, people were starting to leave because um, there was a ton of teal in the area. And we actually were passing up some shots at teal to begin with. Um, and people were leaving because they had shot their limits. So... About an hour and a half, we said we we just got to move. We got to we got to get out of here. We're losing water. We got to we got to go somewhere else. So we packed everything up, pulled the boats back out, and, and water that we were paddling through in that field on the way in was now like we were struggling to pull the boats through. It was crazy. And uh, so we went to the secondary spot. We set up there, and at this point, we're like we're shooting anything that comes in, and we did end up actually having a fairly successful hunt in this second spot um we ended up with aiden and i both shot our limit and and my dad i think shot three in our limit but it took us till about noon the guys that had started the day in that spot shot their limit in about 30 minutes so we did end up shooting almost a limit but nowhere near to what we had anticipated and all teal on that day so that that was day one mm. Yeah, sound, that sounds like a little bit rough compared to your expectations. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like, and the video, actually, I'm just getting done with the video. It's going to come out Thursday. And um, on top of that, my GoPro stopped working. The, the I've got a um, battery pack that goes on it, and I put it on a stake. And that cord was no longer charging the battery, and it wouldn't work. I put in my secondary little battery, and that didn't work, so... I had no GoPro footage and in the second spot we're late, we're in layout boats and weeds. And when you're, when you're layout boat hunting with weeds all around you filming, especially teal film, filming teal is almost impossible because they come in so low and you can get it, but it's typically through the weed stuff, you know? Um, so I thought, I, I thought when I was done, I was like, this video is just going to suck. But actually now that I ha have it almost done, I really, really love the video. It's one of my, I think it's one of my favorites of the year actually. So I feel a little better about that. That's coming out Thursday, I think about two or so awesome. that first video. So, and the chef we are D rap makes a second appearance <laughs> is nice, which is nice. You're going to have to switch that to your intro here soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have found a, and for those of you that don't, uh, that are listening that don't really watch my videos, um, me eating chef we is a theme that tends to run through a lot of the videos um, and not that I started out loving Chef Boyardee, it was just kind of around and I kind of realized how much I did like it. So I kept bringing it. And so it's just kind of this ongoing theme of how much I eat Chef Boyardee when we're out hunting. And I found a second rap song 
to use, except it's like just some guy with, I don't, I don't want to be demanding to anyone, but it's just some guy um, who must really love Chef Weird that makes his own little rap. It's not like a professional thing. <laughs> it's, it, it didn't make an appearance in this video, but it's coming soon. Nice. It, that, that song's coming soon in one of the videos for sure. <laughs> well, I can't wait for uh, your own version that you write and sing. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about it. I'm actually, it, I'll tell you what, when you hear that um, the homemade Chef Weird rap song, I can do better than that dude. <laughs> I, I just don't know if I can pull off like the background music on it, but, mm. but, but that way it ended up being, you know, I didn't shoot very well. Um, I started off 0 for 4, and that was another thing that frustrated me on the day is my shooting, which if, if any of you have layout boat hunted, shooting teal out of a layout boat is certainly a challenge. When you have mallards coming in and hovering, you can pop up out of your layout boat and get it on them, no problems. But when you have um, teal that are whipping into the decoys, even if they think they're going to land, I mean, by the time you pop up, it's just a lot harder shooting them out of a layout. I've but, never tried that. Does your layout boat wobble too, or no? Huh? Hmm. No, those ascents. I never feel a wobble on those ascents. I know Aiden's little kayak does, but I've never, I've never thought felt that. I just, it's just the timing out of a layout boat is different than if you're sitting on sitting on a bucket or something where you can just pull the gun up. So you have to, you have to start coming up a little bit sooner, just like a split second sooner. Because if you if if you pop up to shoot at your normal timing, then you're just a little bit late because it just takes a little bit longer. So mm -hmm. that's one of the main things is, and you're doing a sit up before you shoot. So when when you're shooting on your feet or over a bucket, you know your upper body is tilted quite a bit forward, right? Um, and when you come out of a layout boat, it's not exactly the same upper body angle compared to um, the rest of your body. So it's certainly it's a lot, it's a lot harder. I think I was six, four, uh, 14 or 15. I was like 40% or something, hmm. but so I did decent towards the end, but nice. Well, that'll give me uh, some hope in the coming days to surpass you. <laughs> yeah. My overall shooting percentage went from this season, went from 71 to 59. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have to be really selective on my shots because there's no chance that I'm going to shoot more ducks than you. So I have to win one of the categories and <laughs> yeah. you're going to shoot more blue wing tills and I'm going to shoot ducks all year. Yeah, I've got, I think I've got about 40, <laughs> about 40 blue wings or 38, 38 or 39 blue wings this year. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. It, I've shot so many that it's starting, they're starting to get close to my last 10 years, my overall numbers for, ducks i've shot like 189 mallards and and now 160 something blue wings but it was a pretty big gap between the two but after this year it's climbing mm -hmm. fast yeah well you'll you'll have plenty of chances to shoot mallards to widen the gap for the rest of the season i hope so i hope you never know i mean that's true you never know i shot a lot more mallards last year than i have in the past I mean, there's some years where I've only put down 15, 16 mallards for whatever reason, but we'll see. Ho hopefully we can keep it rolling. I've never started that off this hot before in my life where it's just, you know, where I'm complaining about a hunt where I shot a limit. Yeah. <laughs> it was just overall a very frustrating, um, unpleasant day other than the fact that I shot my limit. 
my dad was struggling with candy and she was being completely uncontrollable out of the back of his kayak and she was coming up under out of the hood and and i don't know what her deal was it's like that someone gave her some crack before the day started but she was just at an all-time high as far as her behavior and that was threatening my you know frustrating my dad as well and and Mm. but you know i mean we still shot we still shot almost three limits so you can't really complain but we were just like the expectations were so high um that it just did not go as planned yeah well uh i know the second day probably went a little bit better right (laughs) it did but it's totally different at the same time so um we all kind of left in fairly low spirits um and looking at the weather so it got up to 60 degrees on saturday and then looking at the weather on sunday um it was turning to a north wind at about two or three o'clock and the temperatures were going to continue to drop throughout the day so when we woke up the temperatures were about 40 i think and then when we when we got done hunting the temperatures were about 32 so the second day we were going to go back to that spot off the creek that we had found the day before and we did get confirmation it had not been hunted and um but we had to go we had a choice that we could approach this pool from the north or the south if we approached it from the north we were going to have to float the entire creek to the pickup spot which we didn't have anyone to pick us up in the morning because my dad wasn't coming he was going to church and so we just didn't have anyone to pick us up so we were going to have to come from the south and come up about a half to three-fourths of a mile up the creek. So winds were supposed to be really high, but we looked at the weather forecast. We were, Aiden and I really studied the weather forecast to see if what the winds were going to be, and the predicted, the predicted wind temperatures were about 7 degrees. I'm sorry, seven, um, 7 miles per hour was the predicted wind temperature at about 4 when we were coming up the creek. And then it was going to get up to almost 20, by about shooting time, maybe about an hour after shooting time. So we thought, well, okay, we can do this. We can get up. So we got up, we got to the boat put in and it was not blowing seven miles an hour. It it felt more like 15 to 20. And, and we're like, and it's, and it was drizzling rain. So we put our kayaks on this Creek and this Creek is pretty open, not tons of trees. So you don't have lots of tree cover in all the areas, but it winds around a lot. So our plan was to, hug the shorelines and weave around and long story short, the trip in there was really, really physically demanding. We had to paddle for about 200 yards upwind. Then we had to get out and portage our boats about 60 yards, put on the water again, paddle back upwind. Um, and I, I've with the flood water normal, normally I know this area well enough that I could get to the places without GPS of any kind, but on when it's all flooded and everything's out of the banks, now it doesn't look the same at night, you know? So, um, think if I didn't have the GPS, there's no way I could have found us into this spot. So it was like every 50 yards, I was having to check GPS. And so we paddled, portaged, paddled farther, portaged farther. And finally about 30 minutes before shooting time, we, we rolled, we got into the exact spot we wanted just because I had marked it um, with a pin on GPS. So we were flushing ducks as we as we came out of there, um, but it was it was an extremely it's really weird with conditions like this. What's like blowing and rain because 
I've said it before. When you add a little smidge of danger to it, it ups the ante for fun. I think, I think. <laughs> um, because it's like the thing that I like about duck hunting the most is the adventure of what you're doing. And yeah. so you get, you give me the harsher conditions and you make the work harder. And on top of that, you put me clear back where no one else is away Then I'm in heaven. Um, and so that aspect of it that we, that Aiden and I had to struggle into this North wind, no, knowing that snow was coming later in the day, it just, the feel of it was very, very full of adventure and excitement um, for sure. So, so with, with all that, like portaging and paddling and the blowing conditions, like how much more, uh, you know, physically exhausting was it than normal? Uh, it was, it was really physically exhausting. Um, but at the, I mean, there was only one portage that was really, really hard because we were coming up through a section and I couldn't hit it quite right. Cause it was in the dark. So we were pulling through, I don't know what kind of plants they were tall, like six, seven feet tall vegetation, some of which was actually woody. So your boat would get on it, you know, and get jammed and stuck. And so that part of it was really, really hard. The other parts we were actually able to cross the channel and get kind of out of the wind. And, and so I wasn't like, um, felt like I was at as, as far as the difficulty of the physicality of it was not over my head at all, except for that one portage. It was just like, make sure you're being safe. Make sure you know where you're going. Cross the, cross the channel as quickly as you can. Cause I mean, ultimately it's at this point, it's like 35 degrees and we're in little boats over water over our head with life jackets on and everything with, you know, 15 mile an hour wind. So um, it was more, more than it being like, I hadn't, didn't feel like I just worked out, you know, it was just total focus on do this properly, do it safely, make sure that you're not making any mistakes. Um, and then with the thought of all that snow coming and everything, it just makes it feel like you're climbing a mountain in a way, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So you said it was just you and Aiden, right? Yeah, just me and Aiden. My, I don't think my dad could have done it. Mm. So how much, uh, how many decoys and like how much gear were you able to carry with all that portaging and, you know, carrying your kayaks like that? Is it just yeah. like one one person at each end or? Um, well, we let's see. As far as decoys, I, we only took, I think, three or four dozen in there. Um, Aiden is actually pulling a sled behind his little kayak. He had it worse than I did because his little kayak doesn't have any grooves on the bottom. Um, so the kayaks weren't that loaded down the first day they were, we took like with the socks, we had like 11 dozen, 10, 11 dozen, but the second day we, we, we knew it was going to be somewhat hard. So we really minimized the gear. So we only, like I say, I think we took four dozen total and that's just a couple dozen per boat. So, um, the gear was pretty, we, we minimized the gear pretty well. All so, right. so, um, once we finally got set up in there. Um, there was less open water. The water had gone down in there about eight inches from when we had, when we had scouted it. But at the same time, there was still plenty of water. Uh, we were having problems finding open holes though. It was all vegetation. So we found, we found an open, a little open hole, um, that was right up against this. I'm not, it wasn't cattails. I don't know what it might've been somewhat similar to what you were in, um, that day. Is it called Fragmite? I don't, it, it was similar to that. I, I, I don't know. I, I think they were, someone was calling it switchgrass or something, but it, it was, 
maybe not as thick as what you were in, but thick enough that we didn't even have to lay out because we could just push the, I pushed my kayak back into the weeds and just crunched all the grass over top of it. And I actually had top cover, you know, like you did. Um, so our hide was just phenomenal. Our hide was phenomenal. Um, but the movement in there was not as, not as um, fast as what we thought that it would be. And again, my GoPro, I thought I could maybe get it working again. It wasn't working. It was so dark. And honestly, um, I didn't do a ton of filming as far as kill shots and stuff on this one because we were both really hungry to shoot big ducks and neither of us were dying to put the camera down or put the gun down and the GoPro wasn't working. But the teal we had, um, the bit, I was shooting like crap again. But the problem was we were, uh, the section of open water we had was was way too close to our cover. So these teal would be coming right for us and i would try I had so much cover i had to stand up to shoot well, i would stand up to shoot and those little suckers would just be like you know <laughs> winging all over the place so um didn't didn't shoot that well on the teal but we were ultimately still holding out for big duck so we had a pintail we had a big duck come in and hover and um, we split on that and that ended up being a pintail hen so we were a little disappointed that was a pintail hen um, cause uh, the big ducks, those are the least duck I want to shoot as a pintail hen, just because there's, I would like them to, the hens to go and reproduce. But then we had a gorgeous widgeon Drake come in and hover and, and, and Aiden killed that one. And the, the weirdest thing ever, this, what well, we thought one duck came in and Aiden killed it. And as he killed this widgeon Drake out of the, out of the corner of my eye, I see something just others in a different area splashed down in the water. I'm like, did you shoot a double? And he's like, no, there was only one duck there. I'm like, well, I saw something splash. Went over there, and there was a green wing teal just laying there dead. It was like at the right second, this green wing teal had just cut through the shot stream. <laughs> and and oh, so, wow. yeah, so Aiden shot a double on on that one. And then the crown jewel of the day, though, is we were sitting there. We weren't paying attention. Well, we were paying attention. We were just sitting there looking forward, and this group of about eight gadwall came swinging around from behind us out in front. And just came straight in and just hovered over the decoys. And so we killed three of those. And it was just the coolest pass. They were probably at 15 yards, all eight of them just hovering, you know. Um, and so that, uh, man, that pass was phenomenal. But it was mostly really teal buzzing around. So it got to be where we were at, about nine ducks, um, three gadwalls, a widgeon, pintail, and the rest teal. And we waited up until 1030, and we didn't hardly – get anything close to us from nine to 10 30. And we still had, a, we had to go. And at this point it was now sleeting. So it was drizzling. Then it turned to sleeting. The wind is about 20 miles an hour. I mean, the conditions are just crazy in there. We're completely way back in away from everything. Um, so, and Aiden had Aiden's waders were leaking. So he's freezing cold. And, um, so we decided we decided at 10 30 it's like well we better just go ahead and get we really want to shoot our limit we well we better go ahead and head out because we've got a we've got a three and a half hour car trip we still have to pack up our tent all our gear we got a portage out of here so we were a little bummed we, we weren't going to shoot our limit so we we're walking back across the pool and we see two or three flocks of ducks go down in the same spot about 200 yards from where we've been hunting and we start talking we're like, you know what, let's just go over there, throw out a few decoys, see if we can finish this off. So we go, we go clear over there, throw out just like a couple dozen decoys. And within 10 minutes, the teal were just bombing down in and we finished off our limit 
Um, I mean, at this point, we'd already done like end of the hunt pictures. We had si signed off on the video and everything. And we just cruise over there and plop out a couple decoys and the teal were just like psh, just bombing in. And I think I don't know whether and at this point, like during this whole process, it's going from rain to sleet to thicker sleet to to almost um, we're almost at snow at this point. So it's just one of those moments where that everyone really wants to be waterfowling in with like, you know, now it's snowing and we yeah. just finished off our limit and and we're we were pretty happy with ourselves. I'll say that. So and the portage out was much easier because now we got the wind at our back. Mm -hmm. So we cruised on out of there. By the time we got to the truck, it was all all out snowing at that point. And I think they ended up getting a couple of a couple of inches. So um that's some crazy conditions for opening day, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, October last year, um, during the opening weekend was when Aiden and I were in the tornado and swatting mosquitoes and shooting limits of teal and everything but to have that type of 20 mile an hour wind sleet snow in october it really felt like a, a december hunt it, it yeah. really did well, that's and, cool yeah so the second day was way more enjoyable than the first day it, it really was so, nice yeah i still didn't shoot great but i think on that day i was six for i think i was six for 15 the first day and six for 14 the second day so not horrible but yeah not as good as i've been shooting well still mixed bag can't complain about uh you know nice and mixed bag like that yeah and the widget aiden shot was absolutely beautiful and it had a sprig on it longer than anything i've seen on a widget it is it was absolutely beautiful and i i should have i wished i had been the one to kill it that thing came in i i drew down on it and it pulled a maneuver like a teal, this widget. I mean, as soon as I jumped up, I was just getting ready to pull the trigger and it like banked sideways and dropped like, like 10 yards in a split second. It was, it was the craziest maneuver I've seen a bigger duck do. And then Aiden ended up killing it on like his second or third shot or something. But I've mm -hmm. never seen, I've never seen a big duck pull this kind of maneuver. That this <laughs> it's uh, it's probably, hanging around really with, uh, probably hanging around with the teal, learning from them. <laughs> Yeah, oh uh, yeah, and that's the one that Aiden shot that other little teal that swung through. So it must have been his little buddy teaching him some aerial lessons. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, but it was a good weekend. So we got back to our campsite, and the tent was covered with snow all over it, and we're we're soaking wet, and snow all over the place. We've got entirely um, too much gear to pack up because we just overloaded. I don't know if you saw the picture of what the back of my truck looked like. Uh -huh. going in but and now you know when you leave and this it was just an absolute mess so luckily we were able to call my dad down and be like hey can you we made him take the gunner kennel um to give us more room and and but packing up that campsite really really sucked <laughs> sucked bad but <laughs> still kind of epic when you're in those kind of weather conditions yeah but by the time you shoot your limit and get back you're like oh, I'm i'm done with this <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's about the time I was like, I'm, I think I'm taking next weekend off to spend with the wife and the kids. I have, this weekend has been pretty much maxed out my hunting. I could use a week off. Yeah. So is next weekend your zones opener? It's our zones youth weekend. Oh, okay. So the plan was to scout all day Friday because I've got Friday off working in and then hunt Saturday with the boys around here. And I think we would have done well but we're just going to hold it off. And then on the opener up here, we're going to go back to where we were um, last weekend, avoid the opener here. Cause of, uh, the opener up here, living where I live is, is, is a madhouse, absolute madhouse. 
So way worse than the early zone is. So I don't mind missing that at all. So we'll head back there, get the boys on their hunts. And at that point, Simeon won't be a youth anymore. Simeon's birthday is next Tuesday. So his, his youth hunting career is over mm-hmm. now. So that, that's the plan. So I just need, I needed the weekend off just to spend with my family and my wife and, and uh, we'll hit it hard again the next weekend for sure. Awesome. Sounds like a, you guys had quite the opener. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was super eventful. It really was. So, I mean, we, at this point, um, Aiden and I both, we've shot our limit on every hunt, which is, I mean, I've never gone, had a start to the season like this. So is that six or five limits in a row? I think seven now. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I haven't shot so many, um, so many till limits in a row. Cause you shot six till limits in a row. You know, last year, I don't, I don't remember you guys doing as well in till season. So having your opening day as a till limit last year probably felt a lot better than this year having that as your a till limit as your opening week. Oh, wait. Yeah. La- last year, because last year we had a terrible teal season. I think I shot six or eight teal the entire, maybe six. I think it was six teal um, the whole teal season. And this year I shot, what, uh, 30. So, I mean, night and day different. So, la- and last year I'd just been coming off two of the worst years of my hunting career, both of which I had been starting a YouTube channel. So, when, when Aiden and I shot our limit, that opener, it was one of the most exhilarating limits ever. Because um, the, the, as much as I wouldn't like it to, the pressure of posting all those terrible hunts where we were just not shooting anything was building a little bit. Um, so that was, that was a hunt to remember for sure. That, that was really emotional, emotional high shooting that limit in such grand fashion where there was just teal like gnats flying everywhere. So awesome. Yeah. At this point we're like, okay, I love shooting blue wings, but you know, shooting a blue wing limit, which is what I did on the opener was actually a little bit of a downer compared to (laughs) the year before (laughs) weird. All about perspective, I guess (laughs) it is. It really is. But we're going to hit a cold streak here pretty soon. I'm sure this isn't going to say this hot (laughs) for probably hit the cold streak by the time you're up here. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be, that'll probably be how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but i don't know hopefully we can keep it rolling i think we probably will as long as we're that area we're going to is just so good awesome so i guess let's uh let's jump to some questions if we got any um and we'll start with uh, troy's from the beginning um and troy asked uh just getting back into duck hunting since i was a kid and i was wondering about your thoughts um, on the etiquette between hunters and groups for claiming down birds. Um, I guess, yeah, for me, it's just, you know, obviously whoever shot it um, can claim it, but there's going to be people who claim it when they didn't shoot it. And most of the time, they're probably going to think they actually did. I'd hate to think that people claim it when they didn't. And then there'll be times where both you guys will want to claim it and you both shot it. So, um I mean, that's when it gets tough, I guess. What are your thoughts on that, Elliot? Well, we have very strict rules for it. So with the freelance hunt stats, my dad and I, when we when we used to actually, in the, in the Excel spreadsheet that I had when we kept our numbers, we would put splits as 0.5. So I could end up a hunt with 3.5 ducks. Um, and and so we would just say split. And I would say, I thought I, shot, I, thought I shot that. And typically, 
um, when I shoot a duck, unless I'm absolutely dead certain no one else shot on it, shot at it, I will say, does anyone else think they shot that duck? Before I'm like, I shot that, you know, real emphatically. Um, it'll be kind of like, I think I shot that duck. If my dad says, well, I shot it too. It's like, okay, split. So if there's, if there's three ducks shot, and if actually this happened with Aiden and I, because the first, the pintail hen, um, we split on. So we start out, we each have half a duck. So he shoots um, two more, and now he's got um, two and a half, and I've got a half. And so inevitably, if we split on another one, well, now we just, the two splits make one, and we one, bird, one person takes one bird, the other takes the other. So I th think that's the easiest way to do it is just to say, okay, split, count it as half. Um, and for the actual numbers, so if we shoot one duck on a hunt, and Aiden and I think that we split it, or my dad and I think that we split on it. And my records, I counted, we both counted as one duck. Um, that's just easiest way to do it. There's certainly no reason fighting over it or anything. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, one thing you have to just be careful about is if you split it, you know, did you shoot it or did they shoot it? And are you going to be at, you know, four and a half mallards? Um, you know, then that i guess that's where it gets tricky and then i don't know some people probably worry about who takes it home especially on like a slower hunt if you're yeah a fan of eating duck meat <laughs> yeah well and you can run into that problem so if we get to 12 ducks and we've called split on one um you can get to the situation where you're actually um saying that you have more than your limit so what we've talked about is like capping it you know it's like um, if there's a split in there and we end up with 12, then, okay, well, these are your six and these are mine. Um, and then for your records, you can mark it however you want, you know, or whatever. But um, if there's 12 ducks um, and we've split on one to where it would put me at like six and a half and him at five and a half or whatever, you know, at that point, you're just like these six are yours and these six are yours, you know? Yeah. But as far as like, you know, typically – who thinks they shot it calling split and just putting in one person's boat and seeing how the day progresses. And eventually it's like, okay, well this one is where this one's yours, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then if, if someone's being like aggressive about it, I mean, honestly, it's probably uh, time to find <laughs> a different hunting partner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. You're yeah. really going to run into the worst thing when it's kids hunting because kids don't have the eye for who shot what, when, and so they will traditionally call birds that aren't, aren't theirs. Um, and as a kid, you know, you, when it happens with a kid, I tend to just keep my mouth shut and let them think they shot it. And then I'll count it towards my records if I need to. Um, but a kid needs to feel success. So now there's a certain age and a certain time in which you start saying, like at this point, if Simeon is trying to call my ducks and I know he didn't shoot, I'm not going to let him say, take it. but you know, you're early on your young kids, just let them, let them think they shot it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have not experienced that yet, but well, you will if you take out a kid. Let me trust me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason asks, "Where can I find layout boats at?" Well, kayaks like we're using, you can find at Bass Pro or probably Cabela's at this point in time. Um, yeah. If you want actual layout boats, then you can check um, Karsten's. You can check um, Beaver Tail. You can Momo. check. I don't know. I mean, just put in layout boat in google and hit go <laughs> yeah um, I, I think though that more people are changing over to kayaks because um aiden bought my dad's karsten's pintail which is a traditional layout boat 
for $450. My dad bought it from a guy for a thousand, um, which that's about a $1,200 boat new. Aiden bought it from my dad for 450 about five, six years later. And Aiden tried to sell that thing for months and months and months and couldn't even get it sold for like 350, which is just crazy because I've sold much lesser layouts for 300, 350 several years ago. So I think the trend is to go to more cocks and away from traditional and with a transom and a, and a, and a long tail on it. But I think that these like the way we're doing it with these smaller boats that you can be more flexible and adapt to a situation better. I think people are going to kayaks and away from traditional layout boats. What is everyone's favorite deck tee? I'm going to say uh blue and teal for me. Yeah, teal. I'm just just give me a teal. Teal. I, I I need to do a taste test between a, a teal and a mallard. I know that we did a taste test between teal and in Canada, and everyone agreed the teal was better. It was just softer. I don't I don't know. A mallards are pretty delicious. A lot of people are saying wood duck. I don't know. I haven't eaten enough wood ducks to know. I don't think I have either. Uh, a question from for you, Elliot, from Matt's Matt's you. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you paddle with your blind up? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. Now there, and even with the doors open or open or closed, you can paddle with them, no problem. There have been a couple times that the doors, when they're open, I feel like they're in my way, and I close them on me a little bit. But majority of the time, I just leave the doors open, and it's not a problem at all. In fact, we've got a video. Um, I mean, you'd have to dig a little bit. It, it's probably in a playlist in called from the field where we test out the paddling with the um blind on there and show show you show it to you so go to um, playlist and look for from the field and you should see that find that video all right and uh uh, curtis asks does fdh ever hunt southeast zone yes january Pretty much, pretty much only January when we uh, we'll, we will. And then Tanner asks, "Did you train Izzy and did Fumbles train Candy?" I did train Izzy using Water Dog. Uh, my dad, for the most part, trained Candy. He got her when she was a year. He's he's a better trainer than I am, and he's trained dogs to field trial level, and we have gotten them certified. So he's a much more accomplished trainer than I am. Um, and but yeah, both of us trained our own dogs. The Gilly guy ask how long until freelance store will be up it says it's under construction it it's not going to be up this year um it became we we ran the fdh store for a while and honestly um it became more a pain in the butt than it than it was a moneymaker so um it's not anything we're opening anytime soon now what we are going to do is we're going to under underneath my videos YouTube has created a partnership with Teespring and there's only one hoodie on there for sale right now, but we're going to make some more hoodies and t-shirts that will be for sale right under the videos that you can click on. And that will probably be done um, before the end of the season. But as far as, um, and that'll only be t-shirts and hoodies as far as the actual freelance duck hunting store, there's no, there's nothing in the works to open that back up at this point. All righty. Uh, and last question, uh, Mar- U- Utah March exa- Assassin asked, how are the White Rock decoys withstanding the public land abuse? Well, we just started, we just started using them because during teal season, we use all teal decoys. So this weekend, 
Um, we took out the sum of, correct me if I'm wrong, pool. What was the pool 12, pool 13? Pool seven. Pool seven. So I'm yeah. way off. We took out the pool seven. We took out the nomads. Um, I will say with which one of the two are not weighted keels? Uh, the pool seven are weighted and are weighted. the nomad are non-weighted. Okay. So the nomad are, it's the exact same decoy from the pool seven, except the nomad, um, you can fold it down because there's a little cap at the back that they didn't glue shut. And then the, the keels are not weighted. And I would say after using both of them, I much prefer the pool seven. When you throw those little light ones, they don't flip over. And on a heavy wind, they actually won't stay over. So we're, we're going to go back and fill up the keels on those nomads and turn them into the pool seven. So I would say if you're looking to get the floaters, I would, I would personally either, I'm, I don't know, are they the same price? Are they the same price point? No, I think nomads are slightly cheaper. Maybe okay. like $10 per dozen or something like that. So here's what I would do. I would get the nomad decoys and turn them into pool seven. All you have to do is there's a little hole at the back, blow it up, cap it with some um, gorilla glue, get a bag of sand and pour them in the keel. And then you've got pool seven. That's, that's what I would, that's what I would probably do if you want to cut a little money, but um, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty big decoys, um, but I, I like them. And, but we, we've only used them a couple of hunts now and I don't have, I've got two dozen of those rigged and I don't have the other five dozen um, rigged yet, but in the, the socks, uh, we put them out, the mallard socks on the first day, there was no wind at all. And so we were a little nervous that maybe those without wind. Um, but you know, I, I liked how they look and I'm happy with them. We're really hoping that we can use huge spreads of them in the flooded corn this year, which we've got a lot of flooded corn, but so far so good. Awesome. Yeah. I have not been able to use them yet. Um, well, I, I used them till season and it did good. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll wait till big duck season to really test them on public land as well. Yeah. I was really hoping that I could highlight them, um, in that hunt. And I do mention them and show them a little bit in the video, but I was really hoping that I could highlight them because we had all those, all those sacks socks out. But when we moved to the second place, we went with a much smaller spread and I didn't, didn't even put them back out. Um, it was a little deeper there too, but I was hoping to heavily highlight them in that video and just wasn't able to because that spot drained. Mm. Yep. And looks like we did actually get another couple questions. So real quick, we'll answer these and then we're going to cut the questions off. Um, the Gilly guy asked, what shotgun do you use? Um, Browning A5, Wicked Wings for me. Yeah, mine is a Beretta Outlander A300, which, honest, honest to God, has given me issues um, a lot. Now my issue I'm having this year is when it gets dirty at all, the second shell doesn't fully push that shell in and click tight. So I'm having to, like, fully clean it just constantly. And I love the gun. I just – it's been a little bit of a – disappointment mm. um somewhere in wisconsin asked do you guys think the white rocks are a little darker i noticed they are darker decoys than my others um i honestly haven't compared them but just at first glance i don't think they're darker than um what i think they should be i think the hens are a little bit darker than your standard hen decoy but i'm not i don't think that's going to be an issue of any kind i like the texture and the design of them and i like the fact that it, it looks like that the way they're made i don't think that the paint is going to chip off anytime soon on yeah. those 
So they're a little bigger than your average decoy, and they're a little rounder than your average decoy, and they're a the hens are a little bit darker. But I don't think any of those matter at all. I certainly think they're a solid choice um, if you're looking for floaters. All right, last question. Uh, Jeffrey asked at Jordan, uh, when will you have your next waterfowl video up? Um, well, I'll be filming with HTR guys, so I'll be putting a film out for them. And then hopefully I'll be hunting on Sunday or earlier in the week, and maybe I'll be able to get at least one out um, next week for Duckman Chronicles as well. And I will say, um, guys, make sure that you go and over to Facebook and find us on Fellowship at the Duck Gun. I'm This video I'm making from Saturday's hunt, I'm almost done with. I'm really excited about it um, because it's turned out way better than I expected. So when that happens, I'll either put my content on Patreon, which I do a lot, um, but I'll also sometimes slip over and put them at Fellowship at the Duck Gun. So if you have not signed up and joined our group over there, go ahead and do that. And, and I know that Jordan does the same thing with some of his videos, throws them up there a little bit early. So make sure you guys go in and uh, find us over there. Awesome. All right. Any last words, Elliot, before we uh, sign off here? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. I guess personal friend Drake from – drake valley outdoors he's got a video coming up real soon he's filming again so I'm, I'm i'm excited about seeing his videos and i'm certainly excited about seeing your stuff coming up so you think you'll have your video out um i guess i must have been daydreaming when you answered that question next week <laughs> um i hope so i hope so okay cool yeah can't wait hey, yeah before you go say hi to hudson he's a little boy who wanted you to say hi okay hi hudson what's up hudson <laughs> <laughs> you can thank my wife for that hudson the little HUD. They call him the little Hudster. I don't know. Uh, Maybe he's not oh, oh, my wife said he was a kid. I don't know. My wife thought you were it's a kid. Son. Someone's son. I don't know. Well, he's still a little well, Hudster. Sons, sons yeah. can be old. Well, yeah, I'm a son. Yeah, you're a son. <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right. Hudson. Sorry, Hudson. Plug ears. <laughs> all righty. That's all we got for tonight. Um, <laughs> Throwing me off track here. <laughs> oh, uh, next week we got John Lewis. John Lewis coming on the podcast. He's the host of Cabela Northern Flights. Um, he'll be over on my channel, Duck Gun Chronicles. So if you haven't been over there, be sure to check that out so you don't miss that one out. Um, and that's all we got for this week. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. Season's here, guys. We're freaking pumped. And we'll see you guys next time. And that's a wrap. And I know you guys probably get tired of hearing me say this every week, but I really appreciate you guys tuning in. This podcast wouldn't be what it is without each and every one of you guys. Um, it's really awesome to see your guys' support and see you guys tuning in week after week, um, being excited about duck hunting just like me and Elliot. So, um, you know, a lot of times I use this portion of the podcast to thank partners or whatever, but this week I really want to thank you guys, the viewers, um, you know, because this podcast would really be nothing without you guys. So, anyways, guys, we're really pumped. Season's in. Um, at this point that I've edited this, I've been out on my duck hunting. Um, and so, I'm feeling it. I'm super glad to be back at it again. Um, so, be sure to check out the next podcast coming up. We'll be talking about that kind of stuff um, here on the Friday podcast with a weekly update. Anyways, that's all we got for this week, guys. And we'll see you guys next time. Let's go.